I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Hubba hubba. All right, it's Wood Talk number 424 for January 29th, 2018. On today's show, we're talking about hard wax oil finishes, sharpening gauges. Is that gauges or gouges? Gauges. So, okay, just making sure. It's one letter difference. Uh, getting into CNC, question mark. Securing tabletops and explaining woodworking to the uninitiated. And uh, oh. since this is our second recording. There's no BS. Let's just get right to the good stuff here. So emails. Uh, so I guess a couple people emailed about this, but the one that uh, was selected here was from Tommaso. He wants to know what's the deal with hard wax oil finish. Osmo, for example. Uh, how can it be compared to an oil varnish blend? All right, so I, I am by no means an expert in this. I am just two projects in to using an Osmo product. It's actually not that easy to find. It's not that well distributed in the U S there's a couple, you know, you could find some stuff on Amazon, but you know, when you're on Amazon and you see a listing that doesn't quite look like it's up to Amazon standards and you go, <laughs> I don't know that I'm even comfortable buying from here. Like you could get some kind of wacky vendor that you've never heard of before. It, it's kind of stuff like that. And the prices are suspiciously high. So it, I found it difficult to find, but I did finally order up some uh, Osmo Pollux and Osmo Top Coat. And both are actually um, pretty good products. I mean, from what I've used used them for so far, I'm actually impressed with them. Uh, so hard wax oil, at least the Osmo product, what I could tell you about it, think of a, a thin wiping varnish. So we're kind of in the category of like armor seal-ish. And it's got wax added to it. So it's got this milky appearance. The, the Pollux material is, it looks like a diluted Pepto-Bismol. It's like a pink color. Uh, and the top oil is like a light tan. So I'm pretty sure the only thing that's going to give it that effect is probably the wax content in there. Uh, but it does have petroleum distillates in it. There is a VOC, um, you know, uh, uh, figure on there that you have to, to deal with. It, I think it's grams per liter or whatever. But it's very low VOC, so it is better for the environment. It's better for you. Uh, and the idea is you just kind of uh, scrub it in with a, 
scotch Brite pad and then scrub off the excess. And you're really just kind of buffing this oil wax blend into the surface. Um, I haven't seen anything about it that really indicates to me that it's like an oil varnish blend where you actually have oil in there. Uh, this is something that just, uh, it feels like a thin varnish to me that has wax added to it, which gives it a long working time. Uh, and it's really forgiving. It's super easy. Uh, this is also the one thing that is like an oil varnish blend is that it's really not going to build to a thick film for the most part. You're kind of just applying a few coats and it's just a finish that kind of embeds itself into the grain and durability jury is still out, but this stuff, especially the Osmo stuff, uh, is used a lot in flooring. So it should be pretty darn durable, but it's also fairly easy to repair. So I'm still learning about it. I'm still getting used to it. I can't really say a whole lot about it until I have more time <clears throat> under my belt. That's interesting. I know um, in the hand tool school community right now, it's like all the rage. Like everybody's using Osmo on their products, yeah, uh, on their projects. And I'm like, did I miss like some memo somewhere? <laughs> like all anybody could talk about is this Osmo product. And I, uh, you know, of course I'm still trying to work through a gallon of Enduro bar. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't really know what the buzz is about, you know, because like I, I hear the same thing about, um, uh, Rubio Monaco, right? A lot of people want to know what's the deal with that. And that is a hard wax oil, except that one is oil. It is not a varnish. So it's like a zero VOC product. And it, it it's, again, these, these hard wax additives into these finishes kind of complicate things in terms of mm -hmm. how we classify what this finish is and how it behaves. And that's why, like I said, I don't really want to make too much judgment about it yet because I need to see these things over the course of time on a project. Uh, in fact, when my uh, trestle table in the kitchen uh, it's already beat up. It's got like Sharpie on it. The kids go crazy on it. Uh, when I do a refinish on that, I'm probably going to use Osmo because I really want to see on a daily use sort of thing. How, how does this finish hold up? So I'll report back when I know something. Good to know. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. I like it. <clears throat> well, uh, this one comes from Jason he says, how sharp do you keep the blades on your marking gauges? I just got my first one, and the documentation said they put a medium-sharp edge on the cutter. Seems weird to me, which I, I love that, a medium-sharp edge. How do you even, like, quantify that? Well, it's very easy, Shannon. It's not, you know— not not pink in the middle? What? Not, not super sharp and not <laughs> dull. A thin line of pink? <laughs> you got to cook it to about 140 degrees. Oh. Right. Um, <laughs> However, I can actually see why they might say that. If you had a super, super razor sharp edge on your cutter, um, it's going to tend to want to follow the grain a little bit more. Um, and it could, it will also actually leave you a finer mark, which, you know, we've been trying to get a finer mark on the show since the beginning. And because oh. my finger's oh on the button, baby. My fingers on the baser mark, but no, I mean there, there's something. If you've ever marked with like an exacto blade, you get a really, really, really fine line to the point where it actually can be really hard to see. Um, and if you are sharpening like using a scalpel or something like that with a really, really sharp edge, you get kind of the same effect. If you're marking parallel to the grain, you will find that that really sharp edge will drop into the grain and follow it a lot more. Um, so actually a slightly this sounds weird to say but a slightly duller blade will actually give you a little bit better mark to to work with hmm. so um as far as how do i keep the blade sharp i my circular gate my circular gauges i just pull the little wheel off and like stick it on the stone and rub it around with one finger because all you're doing is hitting that one particular face you're not sharpening a bevel 
Um, I have a couple of knife edge ones, and they're basically sharpened exactly the same way as I sharpen a chisel, just a really small chisel. Um, you know, so it's all done freehand because there's there's no there's no length to to make it tippy at all. You just kind of set it on the wood and rub it around real fast, and you're you're good to go. So wow. it's really not that difficult to do. Um, uh, my marking knife, my spear point marking knife, I actually use little diamond paddles. Um, so I take the stone to the wood because I just find that it's a lot easier to kind of hold it up in front of my face and match the bevel and you know wiki 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 back and forth and. <laughs> And like an 80s DJ, it's nice yeah. and sharp. <laughs> wiki, wiki, wiki. Oh. Wearing parachute pants while I do that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done, man. Obviously. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we've got a couple more here. This actually is a voicemail. Let me see if I can find this thing. Stuff's been, who's moving my stuff on my desktop here? What's going on? There it is. Eric's got a question regarding uh, CNC. Hi, fellas. This is Eric from Central Florida. I've been a listener since the very beginning, and uh, I really enjoy the show. I was wondering, have you guys ever considered taking the plunge into CNC or things of that nature? I know uh, Shannon is primarily a hand tool enthusiast, so I wouldn't expect him to, but I'd kind of like to get Mark and Matt's uh, thoughts on that. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year to you too, Eric. Merry New Year. Um, Merry New Year. So, CNC something you're thinking about i mean matt you're you're looking for a new place maybe you get enough uh, square footage you throw a cnc in there i think that's the biggest factor for me right now is the the square footage wow the space for one uh i had the x carve i never actually got it set up and calibrated i just didn't i just didn't want to mess with it well and I the question was about would... a real cnc so <laughs> hey oh. oh. are you trying to make controversy <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 all right Jack's next call, call, call Vanderlist real quick get Vanderlist on the phone real quick let's talk to him about it yeah <laughs> oh but yeah no I've, I've I've wanted to get one I guess I don't know I, I wanted to have one that was in my shop and set up and ready to go so I didn't have to worry about messing around with something that might not stay calibrated mm-hmm. that I could just have them like I can walk up to it I can I don't know I like I could cut templates with it I think that'd probably be the most beneficial thing for the type of things that I do, mm-hmm. except aside from like trying to experiment and do something weird with it, like I don't know what, some kind of weird CNC project thing or just lettering or something. I think templates would be the most valuable thing to have the CNC for in like a furniture shop. Unless you want to cut your, all your parts out with it too. I guess you could just skip the templates that way too and just cut your parts out on it. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, if you're really looking to be more efficient, and and I think we tend to think in terms of doing more of the manual work ourselves, but you're right. Like if, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to use this for templates. Well, why would you do that? Just put the actual material in there and cut it out. That's a good point. Hey, your template's know. digital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You already have the template. Just make I've got, I've got this weird mindset, I guess. I got to use the router to make all my stuff. Well, see, I, I'm thinking the same thing. That's, that, that was my first instinct. <laughs> but as I hear you say it, I'm going, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, you just have gotten more efficient now, Matt. That's great. Good for you. One of the, actually, one of the things like related to this I've been like, looking into too, especially with thinking about having a bigger space, is a... A CNC plasma table for cutting steel. I think that'd be even more beneficial because think about how hard it is to like form like pieces of steel into like different shapes that aren't rectangular. Like if I wanted to make, I don't know what the heck, top of my head, 
the scroll board for my high boy out of steel. Like that would not be a fun Why thing to you? shape or cut. Yeah. But with the plasma cutter, you just plug it in. It would just cut it out for you. Sweet. You'd have well, the best high boy in the world. It'd be really heavy. It could be kind of like a steampunk high boy. There you go. You got to have some rivets in there. You know, maybe someday when I'm not sick of high boys, uh, we might venture down this path. Let's do it. Let's definitely do it. Uh, for me, uh, you know, CNC is great. It's, it's another discipline, you know, within this category that would take a lot of time and effort, software to learn, stuff to set up, stuff to like the learning curve and breaking bits and just trying to figure it all out. I, I would, I would, for anything I need a CNC for, I would much rather go to someone who specializes in it and can do what I need to do. Part of the reason I do woodworking is because I do, going back to what we we're saying with Matt, I do love the process. And my instinct is, yeah, make me some great templates, and then I'll do the woodworking. Um, so the way the way I do my woodworking <laughs> is is the journey is important to me, and there are certain aspects of that journey that I would not want to give up, and I just don't think I'm ready to to assign a lot of that work to a, to a machine to do that. Um, I still get enjoyment out of the template routing process. It's uh, something I like. So, so for yeah. me, not it's I don't no no time soon. I don't think that is going to happen. It, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it really, to do it, to do it right, you need a lot of space mm-hmm. and that whole discipline idea you're talking about. I mean, it is truly, it's like starting over and learning, whole new software and all the, you know, the, just think about the technical difficulties we had at the outset of this broadcast, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that delayed this broadcast by 20 minutes. I could just see that. And I'd see myself not doing any woodworking anymore, but I will admit, like I see uh, manufacturers daily. If I go to visit clients, you know, those like triple axis CNCs where insert stack of lumber outcomes chair. I mean, it's so cool to see it done. Um, so there is that element of like, it would be really fun to play with that, like in another life. But, um, I also wonder as well, and I got into this conversation, um, with one of my apprentices cause he's got one of those big ass, um, flatbed things and he <laughs> sculpted an entire, um, tabletop out of it with bevels and everything's on it. And there was a substantial amount of handwork to be done to remove, the milling marks left behind by the CNC. And he's like, you know, I, I could tweak a couple of settings. I could change the, you know, the, whatever the frequency of the pass and you know how, but it it would take a heck of a lot longer to do that. And it was easier to just have it rough it out, grab my spoke shave and remove the milling marks. Mm -hmm. So Mm I, you know, I wonder, it's like, I've got this 20 inch planer over in the corner, which is a really nice time saver when I just don't feel like milling the stuff by hand there would be something cool about saying okay well just go ahead and dimension the parts and then i'll just go right to joinery but i question would it even do that you know how much cleanup work would i still have to do at which point i would you know is it even is it even worthwhile (laughs) to have in the shop you know They could be totally Way different in if the I was future, in other words. if I was product oriented and making things and selling those things. It, oh yeah, it'd be a totally different story. It, it absolutely makes sense. Uh, but, but but even then, and, and you said this earlier, you would outsource it to someone who knows what they're talking about. And so look at Badax Toolworks. Mm-hmm. They CNC all of their handles, but they don't own a CNC. They send the wood to a CNC guy yeah, who then batches out the handles. They bring the handles back and they do the hand shaping of the handles and everything from there. So there's something to be said about like 
people who actually know what they're doing. Right. So, and if you want to be, become one of those people who knows what they're actually doing, um, <sighs> there may not be a lot of time left over for the, the actual woodworking part. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting to think about. Uh, all right. So we got another question from Billy, Billy Newton. He says, uh, I made some small boxes with gift cards and candy inside to give to my employees at work as holiday presents. They seemed really happy, and I received comments asking if they were made of real wood and about how much they loved the stain. The boxes were sol- solid walnut with an armor seal finish. I wanted to tell them that the materials, or I'm sorry, I wanted to tell them about the materials or correct <laughs> them on the stain, but I held off and simply said, I'm really glad you like them. Have you ever caught yourself over-explaining the nuances of woodworking instead of just being thrilled that non-woodworkers are impressed with what you made? Billy Newton. <laughs> that's the best one. Everything is stained. Yeah. Uh, Everything yeah. gets stained. Oh, that's got a great stain yeah. on it. Um, so do, do you guys do you <laughs> even be bother? fair, I've heard many woodworkers use the term stain when they're just referring to finish. So, right, you know. exactly. <laughs> well, I like when uh, the question, and I think it comes around a lot with stains and dyes, and stain is... Even literature, stain is used as a specific product as opposed to like anything that brings color to the wood being a stain. Uh, so it's right. like stain versus dye. And it's like, well, dye is a stain <laughs> as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. But anyways, do you bother explaining this type of thing to people? No. <laughs> Maybe there was a time, but no. I usually get I get more questions about what kind of wood is it. Um because if I'm making small gifts and stuff, especially if I'm turning, I'm using a lot of crazy stuff from my stash. Yeah. So um, generally that doesn't provoke the, like, is it a stain? Although people love the smell of it. Like, oh, I love the smell of this wood. And I'm like, actually, that's yeah, the lacquer. <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> careful with that. Breathe that lacquer <laughs> in. That's just off-gassing. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No worries. So I definitely don't explain that because they're killing brain cells as they, you know, you know, are huffing, huffing the fumes of my project. But now I usually just explain this. Just that's the species. Oh, Dude. and where's that from? Uh, it's South America. That's and then it. in the background somewhere you hear, Ooh, wah, ooh right. That <laughs> <laughs> it, it just happens for you. It's, yeah, the, it's funny. You should mention that. Cause I could re- recall specifically multiple instances where someone non woodworker would see something I've made and they'll do that. They'll go, Oh, I love that smell. You know? And I'm like, Oh, careful it's like that's not the <laughs> way the wood smells you know um you're gonna love it with every breath <laughs> right but yeah i don't uh, i don't really over explain either the only time i would do that is if the person actually shows interest so like i've had a few conversations about next level wood stuff with my neighbor he's getting some flooring put in so we were talking about you know brazilian cherry and different types like they were not really sure if their cabinets in the kitchen are stained if they're naturally like that we we're talking about heartwood and sapwood but they showed interest and wanted to learn so i kind of went into detail about it but I don't think like if the person isn't showing some kind of interest, I'm not volunteering extra information <laughs> yeah. unless they want to know. Yeah. They, the, the eyes glass over really fast. Yeah, Chances are they don't care, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> uh, okay. Um, why don't you read the last one there, Matt? All right. It's from Rachel Steele. Uh, most of the furniture I have been making lately are tables. I'm using desktop fasteners to secure the tops on the figure eight hardware looks like two. Yeah, wow. The figure eight hardware that looks like two washers welded together. I like to step up my game a bit and try other techniques. What techniques to use for fastening on tabletops? I realize the answer is likely the standard. It depends, but just go with it and share your favorites. 
<laughs> Rachel, it depends. <laughs> totally depends. Uh, <laughs> I like figure eight fasteners. What's wrong with figure eight fasteners? They work great. I I've like never them. used them. Just drill a hole, screw it in, and you're done. I always yeah. made my own those little button things. I never use those figure eight things. Mm, little button's button. a good choice. Explain the button yeah. to Rachel. What's your Matt? buttons? I yeah. don't know. It's like basically the same concept, I guess. Because it's it's just like a rabbited block that goes into a little groove on the apron of your table and allows for some movement there. So the the ones on the sides of the table that are kind of going with the grain are a little bit are in the grooves tightly, but they can move, you know, side to side. And then on the ends, and for people watching on the live stream, Shannon happens to have one. The ones on the ends are held back from the bottom of the groove so they can go in and out of that groove and get deeper or shallower as that table um, expands or whatever. Mm, yeah. Like wood clips, really. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Clips. Better um, for it. That's probably the only thing outside of a figure eight hardware solution. Probably the only thing that I do for tabletops or any sort of top that needs to be able to move. I don't know. I haven't done those in a long time. I've been just doing screws and oversized holes. That yeah. seems to be my, my go-to thing the last, like, four or five years i think well that's if you've yeah. got some kind of cleat or brace on the underside i could see that if you're just doing i guess it, i haven't made an apron based yeah like in a, a while, exactly like legs and aprons it's unless you're doing pocket screws or something yeah well but that's actually another valid option mm-hmm. i mean it, pocket screws to attach a tabletop goes back into the 18th century you'll find um angled holes drilled through an apron which is funny because the 18th century, they didn't pay attention <laughs> to wood movement. Yeah. They would drive a peg through the top or just, you know, that was it. You know, they'd freeze it in place and you see it in the museum later and there's a big crack on it because it's, you know, what there was no wood movement paid attention whatsoever. But you will find examples of pocket screws. Um, you actually can use pocket screws really effectively if you have um, like a cup or something in the tabletop. So if you put the cup down and use a pocket screw and just screw right into the center of the tabletop, it flattens out that cup mm-hmm. and it actually puts a fair amount of pressure on the edge of the tabletop to the point where it won't move. And then your tabletop is only fastened in the center, allowing expansion contraction out from the center point, but there's actually no other fasteners anywhere else. Hmm. And it works pretty well. Magic. <clears throat> you know what's it's interesting? Magic. The last two people who emailed, Billy Newton and Rachel Steele, they both sound like people who would have like an off- like off the strip show in Vegas. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they're not like on the main strip. Oh, they're man. off the strip, uh, <laughs> but they're entertainers in so, Vegas. They'd be headliners in Branson, Missouri. In <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're cool names. They're very uh, like memorable names. <laughs> Rachel is in the chat room. Who, she told, says, Who told you? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, okay, so that's actually going to do it for our show today. If you want to support us, you can just go to patreon.com slash woodtalk. And uh, we've got a bunch of different dollar levels there, and every little bit helps. We appreciate your support. And go to twwstore.com if you want to buy a Wood Talk t-shirt. Maybe get yourself a little sticker, something like that. Um, and, of course, if you uh, want to leave us a review in any directory or anything like that online, that's always helpful. And, again, like we said last time, a boombox out in front of the Rockler playing a Wood Talk show. <laughs> Practicing your break dancing and all that stuff—that's that's a great way to uh, spread the word. Channel, channel your favorite John Hughes movie and yep. stand there with a the bone box in the front yard. There you go. Uh, so Shannon, why don't you give him the contact info and we'll get out of here? Well, this show would not be possible without your questions. So thank you for sending us questions. Thank you for sending us kickback. 
And you know what? We haven't gotten lately. We haven't gotten any what's new lately. And as you noticed, all three of us are kind of out of touch with the world. Out of the loop, baby. Out of the loop. We struggle with what to put in the what's new section. So please, if you're in your meanderings around the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams and, and, you know, real life, and you do find things that are new and interesting, please send them to us. Send us your kickbacks. Send us your questions. And you can do that. By sending us a voicemail, use your voice memo app and email it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or just send us a contact through woodtalkshow.com slash contact. And of course, we welcome your comments on the show notes pages at woodtalkshow.com. Yeah. Thank you very much. Do it. In other words, don't make us work. Send us content. Please do. We appreciate that. (laughs) Do our jobs for us. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for sticking around for another great show. And we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.